0: This is a Squiz podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning. I'm Siobhan Moran McFarlane. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Tuesday, the 11th of October. In your Squiz today, Japan's border finally reopens, Kyiv comes under attack, another soggy summer ahead, and proof that men don't listen. This is your Squiz today. Claire, as more of us get out and about and visit places off-limits during the last couple of years, we can now put Japan on the list of possible destinations. Because after more than two and a half years of some of the world's toughest COVID-related border restrictions, Japan is fully reopening to international visitors today without the need to quarantine or undergo PCR tests.
1: Yeah, Japan closed its border in April 2020. That was in line with many countries, but unlike many others, its reopening has been really slow and incremental. Since June, there has been a limited arrivals cap and that allowed tourists in on very strict guided tours, uh, but that's now finished. And while Japan's border closure has kept coronavirus deaths relatively low, it has significantly hurt their economy. It was just last month, that the government intervened in the currency market there for the first time uh, since 1998 and that was after the yen fell to a 24-year low uh, against the US dollar.
0: While this is a huge step forward for Japan, it's still not going to be 100% back to normal for their travel industry.
1: No, anyone going there needs a valid international certificate proving that they've had at least three doses uh, of an approved coronavirus vaccine. So for context, Australia has been allowing unvaccinated travellers in since July. Uh, It's something to consider if you think a trip to Japan might be nice. Uh, and one thing to note about Japan's recovery is that China still has really tough restrictions when it comes to who can come in and out of China. And what the analysts say is that that will limit Japan's economic bounce back because Chinese visitors were the largest source of tourism pre pandemic.
0: And we're certainly not clear of the pandemic just yet. One thing on that to note here in Australia is that from Friday, mandatory isolation for people who test positive for COVID will end. Officials have urged sick people to stay home though and do what they can to limit the spread of COVID. So while it's not over, things are at least moving on. Claire, yesterday we spoke about Russia accusing Ukraine of terrorism after a bridge linking Russia to the annexed region of Crimea was bombed. And now, for the first time in several months, Russia has targeted the Ukrainian capital, Kiev, with missile strikes.
1: Yeah, and it seems that the airstrikes are targeted at areas where civilians are. Uh, Reports say that a busy intersection was one that was hit during peak hour and also that the central business district and a university have been hit. There was an open question about how Russia might react to the explosion on that Crimea bridge on Saturday, and experts say that this is the start of the response.
0: Yes, and explosions have also been reported in many other places across Ukraine in what appears to be the most widespread series of Russian attacks since the early weeks of the war. And while Ukraine has been making significant advances, it's clearly far from over. Also yesterday, Claire, we spoke about the ongoing floods in New South Wales and anyone hoping for some relief from the wild weather this summer has had their hopes crushed after the Weather Bureau revealed a bleak outlook for the months ahead.
1: Yeah, and this is Australia-wide, not just in New South Wales or Sydney, where a lot of the flooding has been concentrated. Uh, According to the Bureau of Meteorology and that long-range forecast, round three of La Nina and also that negative Indian Ocean dipole that we spoke about last week uh, means that there's an increased risk of floods right down eastern Australia and in northern Australia this summer as well as an above average number of tropical cyclones. Uh, Australia's cyclone season usually goes from November to April uh, and what they say is that it's likely to start a bit earlier this time so in the coming few days and weeks Uh, and while the risk of bushfires in the east of Australia remains average uh, there's a higher risk of grass fires and also heat waves in southern Australia.
0: So that's the look ahead, but there are, of course, several issues to deal with in the here and now. Several regional New South Wales communities remain on flood alert as the wet weather continues across the state. But if you're in South Australia, Victoria or Tassie, things are looking up. As forecasters say, you can at least look forward to a mostly dry weekend. So good for you guys. Claire Japan isn't the only one looking forward to moving on from COVID. Yesterday, Tennis Australia boss Craig Tiley confirmed that Novak Djokovic wants to come to Melbourne to play in the Aussie Open next year.
1: Yeah, and of course there's some issues with that because of what went down in January. Uh, as you'd remember, Djokovic was deported over his vaccination status, uh, as in he's not vaccinated against coronavirus, and that has actually seen him miss two Grand Slam tournaments this year: um, the Australian and the US Opens. And after being booted from our shores, he was handed an automatic three-year ban from re-entering. Uh, Djokovic, though, can reapply. Apply for a visa and then it would be up to the immigration minister, Andrew Giles, to give him the green light or not.
0: The minister's office isn't budging, though, on commenting about what could happen if or when Djokovic applies to come back to Australia. But yesterday, former Morrison government ministers, including tennis fan Dan Tian, said he shouldn't be allowed in because the integrity of our border control system is just too important. Claire, I think we'd both like to preface this topic by noting that we didn't conduct this survey, so don't shoot the messenger, but here it is. According to German researchers, there is now scientific proof that men really don't listen to their female partners. Look,
1: we'll deal in generalisations, and I think we've given a fair warning <laughs> about this study. So let's give it a go. Uh, in an experiment using heterosexual couples, uh, researchers asked individuals in those couples how they thought their household ranked in terms of relative income. They deliberately picked that question because it's actually really hard to answer, and most people get it wrong. And when they gave some of those individuals, the correct answer, they found that the women could repeat that information back, regardless of whether it was conveyed to them by their partner or by someone else. But for men, they only got it right after they were told by someone else. Uh, If the correct answer was actually given to them by their female partner, they completely forgot about it, they ignored it or they overrode it. They just didn't listen to what she said.
0: If it makes the blokes listening feel any better, though, it was a German study, so I'm sure Aussie men are much better listeners, right?
1: (laughs) I'm sure that's absolutely correct.
0: We've previously talked about scientists attaching tiny backpacks to birds, Claire, and now bumblebees in Tasmania are getting even tinier versions of the accessory for some new research.
1: Yeah, so those big fuzzy bumblebees that you see in storybooks are actually native to the Northern Hemisphere and they're considered an invasive species in Tasmania Uh, and that's led scientists to find a way to track uh, how they might actually be affecting our native species of bees. Uh, We know that bees are hugely important to agriculture and to life more broadly, so it's a really important one.
0: Yes, scientists running the study hope the findings will guide future research in bumblebee behaviour in Tasmania and the uses of insect tracking technology more broadly. So who knows, maybe next we'll see some nano-backpacks strapped to mozzies? (laughs) That
1: would be a very little backpack.
0: Squeeze the day, Claire. What are you hanging out for today?
1: Oh, look, the anticipation of today, the winner of Fat Bear Week is going to be announced. So I dare say that we're going to be talking about that. Maybe that's our lead story tomorrow. Let's see how we go.
0: <laughs> it's huge news for sure. <laughs> it's also the 10th anniversary of the United Nations International Day of the Girls. So a great day to celebrate and support the young women in your life. That's all from us today, but have a great day and we will chat to you again tomorrow.